before we get started, uh, we have our first guest today. Our first guest is Amber. Amber. Hi. Um, so Amber, in a minute, we're going to uh, give you a chance to plug all your things. But first, I have a very, very pressing matter that I need to address for our intro. Um, and it is a mystery. So I need your guys' help on this. Yesterday, my partner came in from getting the mail and he there was a dollar in our mailbox. Okay. A dollar bill? Just a dollar bill, not it was a, a crisp dollar bill Crit, in between okay. our mail. Crit. Okay. A crisp dollar bill, yes. Like there's no explanation for this dollar bill. Okay. We don't know where this dollar came from. <laughs> Why was there a dollar in our the, mail? The mailman kept your mail in his pocket where he had loose dollar bills. Loose. And he pulled <laughs> fresh, crisp dollar bills. And we had to put your yeah. mail in your mailbox. Maybe? It was in there. I don't know. This, Mike, in this scenario, my- was the mailman also keeping <laughs> Catherine's mail in his pocket? Yes, yes. I was going to say, he, he stores all the mail in his pockets it's or like a very, he takes it very personal he's very caring or they are very caring Cat. about the mail i think you need to support your mailman to i don't like- <laughs> <laughs> no but- i think i have a theory already oh, oh tell me your theory tell me your theory so my theory is that okay we don't i don't think it was necessarily the male person it may have been but my thought is that someone has wronged you and like it may have been years ago but like they they saw an opportunity, I guess, like during this global pandemic to like to make make they they probably had a lot of time for like introspection because mm. like, you know, we've all this free time now because we're all unemployed. <laughs> and um, so they probably were at home, like eating some some cup noodles and thinking about all the things they've done in their life that they regret. And they thought about that time in high school, um, you know, that they uh tripped you i guess while you were carrying a lot of books and they felt really <laughs> really bad about it and so they put this crisp dollar bill in your mailbox to make amends i didn't want to that- come out and say this but cat i'm sorry for the time that i killed all of your plants and i hope you enjoy the dollar bill <laughs> thank Mystery you solved. thank you yeah you're welcome does that mean that i need to give hannah a crisp dollar bill because of all the fruit i left in their locker <laughs> i mean I, I always figured that the fruit thing, like Cat, I always assumed you were some sort of fey creature. That was and that like leaving fruit in my locker was sort of like I don't know, like it's like when you have a brownie in your house and <laughs> you, I guess you leave it like cream or whatever, and it does your chores, mm-hmm. but you instead leave fruit and <laughs> naked pictures of Burt Reynolds. I <laughs> forgot about the Burt Reynolds. I, I just about accepted the it Reynolds. as part of nature. I mean, that's just. <laughs> Here's the thing. It's the though, nature Kat, of locker. Is like if you have to give Hannah a dollar for that, literally every other person in our graduating class also has to give Hannah a dollar for that. Because I think we <laughs> all left fruit in there at some point. Listen, I don't I'm a busy man. I don't have time to lock my locker. What do you think I am? A simp? <laughs> I uh I will say, Kat, I do have another theory, and I think it probably is the most likely of all of them, which is that yeah. um it was one of the propane tank carrying teens it was one of the propane teens it was absolutely one of the propane teens why for sure hannah you haven't seen them you don't know (laughs) no but like why would they give you you a dollar what who are these propane teens (laughs) the propane saga saga of the propane teens i just see like a bunch of like teenage versions of hank hills what's coming going in my mind right now exactly right so this is a throwback to like like season 
several episode <laughs> 20 or something ago, yeah. like that like when coming to visit my house was it Sophia and you? No, I think it, was Noelle. it was me and Noel because I had oh. to ride on Noel's knees so that my little feet could reach the pedals. Right. <laughs> I, I, okay. I don't All remember right. that part of the story. But I'm going to leave that unexamined. <laughs> they saw a teen on a skateboard carrying propane tanks in my neighborhood. That it seems dangerous. One, yeah. one tank per hand, right? Yeah, it was yeah. One, <laughs> one tank in each hand. And then there was like another time, I don't know if it was with Noel or with Kat. But I was also coming back to Kat's house, and there was, like, another teen on a skateboard, but he had, like, a full face mask, and he, like, slowed down and looked at us as we passed, and it was very, very scary. Yeah. So, <laughs> there are, like, many dangerous teens in Kat's neighborhood. Teens and their addiction to clean, burning heat, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. They love I live grill. in a, a weird neighborhood. I've... <laughs> There have been a lot of things, and this, this mean, mystery dollar is now the newest addition. So, 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 Kat, all I know of where you live now is you have mice climbing all over your house. Yep. <laughs> you have propane teens, and somebody is like paying you fresh hush money. Hush yeah. money. Hush money. Hush money. One dollar hush money. I, I yeah. witnessed something I shouldn't have, and that is my bribe. So, uh, all that aside, back to the fact that we have a guest. Hello, Amber. Hello. Hi. Welcome to our Hello. podcast. Thank you. Welcome to this energy. This will be the energy that we will have for the next four hours. Awesome, yep, we great. won't get tired at all. For the last two hours, we'll have <laughs> the same energy, but our vocal range will drop down okay. to like zero okay. decibels. I know this because I just edited an episode. <laughs> it was <laughs> And that's also, exactly thank it. you for, for, for guesting. Yes. yes, thank you. That's Stay how you do. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, Amber... Tell us about you. Tell us about what you do. Sure. So, yes, I'm Amber. Um, I am a co-owner of the Geekspective podcast network, uh, where I have my show that I GM on called Shapeshift. Uh, it's, I started it because I wanted to get into GMing, and you know what better way than making yourself uh, get over anxiety by just jumping in and recording yourself and putting out for the entire world to hear it. So Me that's too. how I do. That's how that's I, what do. I did. So powerful. <laughs> yeah. It's like, F it. I'm just going to do this. Like I- I'm going to record it. And also for myself too. It's like, I want to be able to hear like my, my progression, you know, how I'm getting better at stuff and like learning things. So that's my podcast. Uh, I run a lot of indie one shots, but I actually like running um, Ryutama a lot. And Kat was actually guested on my show uh, playing, yeah, playing uh, Thistle. That was a really cute character. Loved, loved that character. And yeah, so uh, I'm on the internet as Rocket Orca. If you want to find me on Twitter or go to my mm-hmm. website, rocketorca.com, you can find all my crap there and geekspective.com as well. Yeah, and you're going to be taking over Tabletop Babble, right? I am, Ooh, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm was very surprised when James reached out to me because, like, you know how you always have, like, this version of yourself in your head? You're like, ah, no one really thinks about you. Nobody really pays attention. And then he's like, hey, I think you'd be really good for this show. And I'm like, really? Cool. <laughs> I've, been on, I've been on a few times before, <laughs> so I really, really like uh, Tabletop, and I'm really excited to take it over. And... I'm kind of like overwhelmed with a lot of projects right now, so I knew I couldn't just do it myself. So mm-hmm. I have like two other Geekspective people helping me out with the show, kind of being like co-hosts and mm-hmm. uh, helping with editing and that kind of stuff. So yeah. that nice. should be happening, I want to say, at the end of the year. Awesome. Cool. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. Cool. Well, yeah. we will look forward to the yeah. new and improved Ooh. tabletop battle. <laughs> yeah. Well, all that set up, let's play some D&D. 
hot dog. Oh boy, I'm gonna tell you right now, I haven't played D and D in like four years. Listen, we don't know how to play D and D. Okay, great. Then you're you're right about at our level. (laughs) Okay, good. Okay, wonderful. (laughs) All right. So, uh, first we will do our introductions. Hi, I'm Kat, and I am your DM. It's me. I'm a Hannah. I still play Slake. I am a half-orc fighter. Watch out, you <laughs> teens. I'm coming for you with my fists. Holy Love shit. it. Caitlin? Uh, I, I'm Caitlin. I might still play Corbin. <laughs> Don't know. Um, I am a teen, and Hannah's about to kill me. <laughs> I'm not a teen. I'm not a teen. I'm not a teen. I'm not a teen. <laughs> Corbin's a teen. Corbin is a teen, and Hannah's about to kill Corbin, which is why Watch out. Ellie might play Corbin. <laughs> I'm Amber, and I'm playing a gnome wizard named Spritz Ooh. that loves candy. Okay, so last time, uh, let's see, you had an adventure with a mysterious entity known as the Grey on your way up from the Horsemaster's Fields uh, with your new best friends who are horses. Caitlin, your your horse is named Sterling, and yes. Hannah, you have yet to reveal the name that your horse has given to you. I'm waiting for the right moment. <laughs> waiting for the right moment for your horse, your horse Sona to be revealed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after disregarding all advice from friendly passers-by, you plunged yourselves into the gray, uh, only to find out that the gray is not necessarily a place, but also a person and a demigod, a child of Vascus the Shadowmaker, who recruited you, voluntold you, to uh, traverse a scary temple and discover the body of their dead godparent, and you learned some valuable lessons about teamwork and leadership and living sacrifices, and Corbin carved a heart out and fed it to a child. So... (laughs) So a good day. That was was a great day. (laughs) Corbin learned a lot about consoling children who are grieving the death of a loved one. Yeah, you did Corbin great. learned a lot about Thank what you. not to do. Yeah, well, hey, you know what? That's important, too. It worked. It, it did, worked. Yeah. Thank you, Hannah. It did work. So after the Grey consumed their father's heart and became the new Shadowmaker, you moved on to get over that trauma on the road. And after a short stop in the city of Doval to rest and rehydrate and recuperate from your harrowing meeting with the Grey... The two of you approach the port, which Dawson originally pointed you toward, the city of Roval. The brittle, frost-covered fields roll out and away from the town on all sides, and you can see smoke rising from the chimneys in the distance as you approach the snow-blown road. Uh, Corbin and Slake, will you please make a dexterity check? Oh, boy. Not great. Mm. Not great. I have got a seven. Oh, oh, that's shit. not great. Uh, well, You're absolutely I, right. I did amazing by those standards. I got a nine. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, the two of you, uh, you're both off of your horses leading them. And uh, you both take a big old slipperoonie as the uh, you find that the, the ground under your feet is covered in large patches of ice. Corbin doesn't have any reaction at all. He just lets himself go down and lands flat on his back and then doesn't get back up again. 
Cool. Uh, I think Slake probably lets out like a strangled cry as they fall to the ground. And then uh, I'm going to go check on Corbin to see if he's dead. What's up, Slake? Oh, uh, you're okay. Good. I I don't know. You just went so uh, rigid after you fell. I was a little worried. I'm just chilling. It's been- All right, Slate, get up. Let's go. Uh, okay. And Corbin gets up and gets grabs Sterling's reins and continues to walk on the ice normally. <laughs> Sterling uh, licks your hair and Burger Jerger says, Corbin, I feel like I taught you better than this. Did you forget all your crow lessons? Where are your wings? The wind beneath your wings, Corbin. The weight of this burden of being a leader. Burger sugar, it's taken the wings out of me. Oh, no. Corbin, I mean... I get it. I get it. Oh, I get why Fran was so... <laughs> Desperate for approval. Corbin, I think we can... We can manage, you know, like... The democracy thing, right? Like, we'll... You don't have to take all the responsibility on yourself. We can, you know, work stuff out together. It's like you're just a child. It's like... <laughs> We're the same age! <laughs> well, as the two of you make your way toward town, more and more of these ice patches cover the road until there's no way to avoid them. And you have to start doing an awkward slide on your way down this hill to the town. Uh, your horses behind you have a lot of trouble navigating this hill. <laughs> Why don't you roll some animal handling checks for oh, me? Boy. I should do well on this. Oh, okay. Um, well, 14. Yeah. That's not the worst. I got like way over 20. I don't know. I can't do math. You guys are both great at this. Your horses, you and your horses are in sync. And both of you feel like a psychic pang of jealousy from your other animal companions. <gasps> how in sync you are with your horses. No! <laughs> Corbin throws the reins down and like reaches towards the sky for Burger Jerger to come. Oh, down. what happens to the horse? Oh. <laughs> Are you down the hill when you do this, Corbin? I do it as soon as I feel the uh, psychic pang of jealousy. <laughs> Whenever that happens. Your, your horse uh, screams in distress as it continues its slide down oh the hill. <laughs> but as it is a uh, special and magic horse, it's fine. It now is just pissed at you. <laughs> well, that's fine. <laughs> Burger Jerger is my mom, so. <laughs> well, Burger Jerger lands on your arm and begins preening you. Good. Up ahead at the bridge, which marks the town entrance, you see a group of workmen who are methodically chipping away at the ice. One of them has a huge bag of rock salt, which he's spreading across the slickest surfaces. And uh, as you approach, one of them looks up and waves. He calls out, sorry about the state of the roads. And he uh, waves you towards him and says, it's the damnedest thing. Big squall rolled in over the sea last night, hit us hard. When the sun was up this morning, the whole town is, well... And he motions toward the town, which you now see is covered in ice. This extends to everything in the city. Buildings glitter in the bright morning sunlight and stables are shrouded in ice shelves half a foot thick. Neighbors who have managed to shove their doors open are helping others by pouring kettles of hot water over ice-covered doorways and windows, trying to melt the frost enough to unstick the exits. 
So, uh, this, this isn't normal for your town, then. Not at all. We usually have mild weather all year round. Nothing like this is rolled in and not in living memory, anyway. What about non-living memory? Well, everybody sort of looks at each other and shrugs like, oh, we don't, we don't know anything about that. Every, our parents, our grandparents have all said it's always been calm and roval. That's why we're such a prosperous port. We never get hit by storms. Did, did anybody die? Like, that's, that's some cold, <laughs> some cold weather. Do you guys, do you guys have blankets? Uh, no, every, everyone's fine. We've got blankets. We're, we're all fine. It's just the town is, well, we'll take some time shipping ourselves out of here, I guess. Oh, uh, and, uh, are you, you're not coming here to try and catch a ship, are you? Everything's frozen into the harbor. Uh, nothing will be departing for a while. Not until it thaws out. Hopefully we have some sun the next few days. I look over at Corbin and I say, I have a feeling Torva's probably involved in this. Yeah, or failing that, some other fucking ice god just decided to have a heyday in our port town that we need to use. <laughs> well, I'm guessing, yeah. As you are talking, a small child slides up to the group and uh, she's followed by a gaggle of other children and she crashes into the legs of one of the workmen and says, Daddy, Daddy, we're going to go ask Spritz. Spritz always knows what to do. And uh, the father ruffles his child's hair and says, sure, sure, go ask Spritz. And uh, he gives an uneasy look to the other workmen and then uh, looks towards you two and says, would you mind uh, taking her? She'll show you the way, but um, Spritz is a bit of a character. And the child looks back at you and says, if you're trying to leave, Spritz will know how to do it. Spritz knows how to do everything. And then she skates off. Oh, well. It's like, let's follow the convenient timing of this child. Yeah, I was just thinking that. Weird. <laughs> uh, the children lead you to a candy store. Uh, a candy store with a sign that says, Spritz's Super Splendiferous Sweet Shop. Oh, that alliteration. Uh, the child shoves the door open, and a melody of cheerful bells trills as she tumbles inside. Uh, there's a small group already standing by the counter. One is a big, soft woman wearing a sash of office, and the other two look like sailors. The store smells divine, like sugar and caramel and bright fruits from far away. Everywhere you look, there's a colorful confection or treat on a whimsical display. Carousels of lollipops, Ferris wheels of cupcakes, and a flying horse made entirely from blown sugar, which prances on puppet strings suspended from the ceiling. The woman you hear the others refer to as Mayor Mala, and she turns to you and says, Ah, ah, visitors! I'm sorry our city isn't in a fit state for travelers. And behind the counter, who... Who do we see, Amber? Who's yeah. behind the counter? Yeah, sure. So Spritz is behind a counter that's actually tailored to his height. So like everybody is like actually like looking down at this counter because he's not quite three feet tall. He's a gnome and he's super stick thin wearing tall boots that go over his tight lavender pants. He has a goldenrod long sleeve shirt tucked into his pants and a mid-length cape that is also lavender. And 
On top of his head is a brown, basically your average stereotypical wizard's hat. And under that hat, you can see that he has very short, very curly, bright red hair, um, tan skin with a dusting of freckles across his face. And he's wearing these like large, circular, light green tinted uh, glasses, pair of glasses. I am delighted. God, the fashion. He sounds amazing. Like you can tell, like he is very like put together. I, I look at Spritz and I say, is this your god? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the the people all look at each other and the child says, I'll just have this one. And she picks a lollipop off of the carousel. And uh, as she runs to leave, the mayor, Mayor Mala, gently takes her by the shoulder, gives the child a coin, and the child then hands the coin to Spritz. <laughs> yeah, he'll take it and just like plop it into like this really fancy cash register. He'll push a button and it springs out and it's like, yeah, like your fancy old time candy shop uh, cash register and he'll put the coin in there. The girl runs out, completely forgetting her errand of finding out what Spritz will do about this. <laughs> but it seems that the mayor has already had the same idea. And she says, now, Spritz, I understand that something is happening and as much as I hate to burden you, and she looks at the sailors who nudge her and says, we do have some important shipments that need to leave the harbor soon. So Herman points at himself. <laughs> <laughs> and so Spritz is like, well, you know, I'm not exactly sure this whole snow and ice thing is entirely a problem. I mean, look at the kids. And he's pointing outside to the shop window and you can see them like sliding around. And, you know, they're having fun. And, you know, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about like maybe opening up like a shaved ice or ice cream part of the store. Or do you think it would be better to have like a hot beverage section like chocolate or maybe roasting marshmallows or, or is that more of like a fall time activity? Oh, this sounds amazing. I vote for the hot bevies. Ooh, see, Matt Mala, look, we agree. Hot bevies! Hot bevies! And the sailors also sort of nod like, we would also like some hot bevies. <laughs> and the mayor puts, like, she goes to put a hand down on the counter and then realizes that the counter is much further than she expected. And so does sort of an awkward bend to put her hand down on the counter and says, I understand the confectionery possibilities here, but we have a town to run, and unfortunately, you seem to always know what's going on, so if you could do something about this, please. Right, right, okay, well, you know... This is no, where have all the dandelions gone? Oh, it's the hundred of nocturnal rabbits that Jenny was breeding that got loose kind of problem. Or, you know, what happened to Teeny Tommy? Oh, he fell down that haunted well kind of scenario. This is a little bit different. And then he kind of like squints and looks to Corbin and Slake and is like, this is probably going to take some time and I'm going to need some help. And what excellent timing. Talk about two birds, one stone situation. You two look absolutely perfect for some investigation. Oh, man. As soon as you say two birds, one stone, Corbin turns into a crow. <laughs> Whoa! It's going to be one of the birds. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I can't do that. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm here to provide the, the metaphorical function of the other bird. Corbin, Corbin lands on Slake's head and, and caws. <laughs> the mayor and the soldiers 
or the mayor and the sailors both look at this display of strange magic, and as most people in Avalis do, they decide to leave. <laughs> well, it seems you have this underhand. I hope to see some resolution by the end of the day. Farewell. And the mayor quickly leaves. <laughs> end of day? I said this is going to take some time. Problem solving doesn't happen in 12 hours. What the heck? Anyway, what's your guys' deal? What's your names again? Oh, yes. I- I'm Slake. Very nice to meet you. Uh, Mr. Spritz, sir. <laughs> Corbin says. <laughs> Wait, what is, I think, uh, just FYI, I took forest gnome, so I think I can talk to birds? Naturally, you just speak with small beasts. So do I understand what you say? Yes, you hear, wah! <laughs> Corbin said that he's Corbin. Well, um, what's your guys' like, deal? How good are you at mystery solving? Oh, uh, I mean, we've solved some mysteries, right, Corbin? That was a long and intricate detailing of every mystery we've ever solved. <laughs> Amazing. Perfect. I just had this idea that you would be perfect for this job or this mystery thing that we're doing for this town. So, Spritz, the mayor seems to count on your expertise. Have You've dealt with, I guess, problems in this town before. You know much about uh, magic then? You could say I know some things about magic, and then he does some ridiculous prestidigitation, like fireworks in the store. Oh, I clap. Corbin, like, sits down on Slake's head because it reminds him of Fran. Oh. So, Mayor Mala seems to think this is going to take a day, so I guess we better get started. Try to think, you know, where, how how do things like this happen? And he's, like, like, walking around his store, and he's, like, pulled out, like, this little plastic pipe he's now smoking on but like bubbles are coming out of it's not actually smoke hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> he just stops <laughs> excuse me one moment excuse me one moment and then he goes behind the counter and he starts pulling out like candy and he opens up a wrapper and he pops one and he's like sorry about that sometimes you know sugar levels sugar levels i gotta keep it kind of keep myself going um so anyway yes magic magic this obviously is a magical problem like who how how all this ice uh who all this ice (laughs) well we were kind of wondering if there might be a local god or demigod that someone in your town might have pissed off or hmm i don't know a god per se but we could go to the temple and uh, you slide your way over to the temple. Oh, also, by the way, your horses have found their way to the stables. Oh, thanks, horses. <laughs> I assume we I just... I was just going to say, did we just leave them somewhere? I assume we just left we... them outside the candy shop. I thought we left them by the docks. <laughs> you left them somewhere, and they made their way to the stables, because that's why I gave you magic Thank horses. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, cat. Thank you, cat. <laughs> So the horses and Burger Jerker are hanging out at the stables, licking some ice, eating some frozen hay. They're fine. Uh, so you slide your way over to the temple, which is coated in another thick sheet of ice. But the priests are diligently widening a hole to the entrance using boiled water. Um, and they have widened a roughly child-sized hole out of the entrance to the temple. Kat, can I uh can I cast produce flame um and like widen the hole a little bit more with that? 
Yeah, are you going to warn anybody? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how about, uh, roll damage for me on that. Wait, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to play D&D. It's a two. <laughs> so uh, you are able to remove roughly a two feet of the ice. And uh, as you do so, the priests all step back quickly and they look at each other and say, I see we have one of the gods chosen few among us. Another one, <laughs> they say after glancing at Spritz. Fantastic. How can we help you? Make that three, Corbin says and points at Slake. Uh, I mean, sort of. Anyway, hi, we're here. Um, well, Spritz was telling us that you guys have a temple and we were thinking you might maybe know about what might be going on with any local gods pertaining to your big ol' ice problem. Yes, we have been preying on this. Uh, unfortunately, we've had no answers. But if you would like to peruse our library or ask some of the senior priests what they know, you are more than welcome to find shelter within our temple. Corbin wants to say, what? who have you prayed to? Uh, well, we've prayed to... Mila and Bav, the the temple is, we do not have a, a deity that specifically protects our city, but we make the appropriate offerings to the Pantheon. We've been praying diligently to Rove. Uh, we thought perhaps that the Tempest was her doing, or we hope that it is not Saturnus, uh, as he is tricky to deal with from all of the writings, but... Uh, We've had no answers, like I said. Did anything weird happen yesterday? Like, in the town or in the temple or whatever? No, not that, that I know of. And the priest looks at Spritz. Master Spritz here would know more of weird things than I would. Corbin looks at Spritz. <laughs> what, me? I like I know everything that goes on this town all the time. That's ridiculous. Though... And again, he's like walking around trying to like remember stuff and he's eating candy as he's doing so. Mm -hmm. So for the past couple weeks, there's been new construction happening in town. Marimal has been wanting to put up, you know, uh, parks, parks, <laughs> lots of parks. And like these, I don't know, the kids are so important to these people in town. They always want to add new things. They're putting up a oh. kick kickball <laughs> kickball field. Yes, the beautification projects. Uh, there's one in the northern part of town, and uh, one going in over by the western region. And then there's some work going down by the docks. I, I don't suppose that might have alerted the interest of some sort of local deity. I wouldn't know. I mean. I know that the town is quite old. There might be something something that was built over or perhaps something something buried under the town. I wouldn't know. Nothing that we have record of anyway. Good to know. <laughs> yeah, Spritz is just squinting real hard. How about that library? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, if you just continue straight down this hallway and uh, take a left, you'll be there. Do you guys head into, yeah, the, let's library? Head into the library? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, so the library is a very small room. Library is perhaps a very generous word for this collection of books. Um, it is a handful of shelves with some musty old tomes. Uh, and then there is one pedestal with a open book on it 
that has some very beautiful illustrations that are uh, gilt and painted in very rich colored inks. And there's a like fancy cloth bookmark. Oh, cool. Ooh, that looks super inviting. Maybe you guys should check it out. Uh, <laughs> oh, y- you, you, I say, oh. and I and I go to look at it. So the book is a it is a religious text, and it talks about the the story of how in in ancient times this area was blessed by Bav the Planter, a uh, god of all green and growing things, and he. After many pleas from the town to protect them from the violent storms that rack this coast, uh, he was so moved by their prayers, he cried for them and gave them his tears uh, to protect them from the inclement weather uh, that surrounded their town. So there are like these beautiful illustrations of this giant man crying and like catching his tears and handing them to the town. Spritz, you haven't seen any tears lying around, have you? Only mine at night. <laughs> I mean, no, not not any god tears, and of course, leave it to God to leak all over a town to bless it. Spritz, it's okay if you cry sometimes. Yes, yeah. <sighs> anyway, the tears. Yes, no, I don't know of any tears just lying around. Just checking. So Bav, like, is not the. According to the priests, not the protector of the town, but according to this book, is kind of the protector of the town? According to this book, Bav once blessed the town. Okay, okay. But unlike, like, the city of Danmar that you've been to, you know, Rove was, like, the deity of that town, or Minotine is the deity of, um, Madria. So, I'm feeling like we could either go investigate some of these places to see if maybe the construction sites disturbed like Bav's tears because personally my guess would be that it's some sort of metaphor and that Bav's tears are like a body of water or Mm. we could just try and pray to Bav here in the temple (laughs) let's do both yeah oh what do you want to do first well you're in the temple right now so yeah, let's pray to Bav while we're here. Is there a proper way to pray? Prayer circle on this world. Yeah, we get a prayer circle and then we say, Dear Bav. We're going to hold hands. Okay, cool. Do you do this in the library or are you going to go out to like the main temple area? I guess we'll go to the temple part of the temple. Yeah. All right, so yeah. you guys find an altar to Bav. There are altars to uh, most of the gods here. Uh, notably absent, you see, there is not a altar to Torva. And uh, you go out to Bab's altar. What do you do? How do you pray? I guess we could... Let's just pray like we usually pray to Phelan. So we should call Bab an asshole? Uh, (laughs) I'll do it. It's like, you pray the way that you normally pray, and I'll I'll call Bab an asshole. Okay. Okay. Dear dear Bab, have a great summer, asshole. We're not having a summer here at all. (laughs) It's full of ice. I'm sorry I called you an asshole. I don't. This is just how I normally pray to gods. <laughs> um, please cry on me. <laughs> um, Corbin, you get a sense of confusion <laughs> in response. I'm sorry. It's like you you try. Uh, okay, I'll give it a shot. Um, dear Bav, hi, I'm Slake. You don't know me, but 
uh, I'm here at your, well, I mean, it's not your temple. I'm at this temple, and we're in your town that you may be blessed one time by crying on it. And it's really cold here now. And they told us that it shouldn't be cold because you cried on it, but now it is cold. So we're, you know, just trying to kind of figure that out. Um, so, you know, if you have a minute, um, maybe you could talk to us or whatever and, um, you know, help us figure out what's up. Um, I love you. <laughs> and then I say, oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. That... Goodbye. And I, 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 I say, uh, Spritz, Spritz, you, you pray now. Okay, just you do it. Uh, I have to go. And I go stand in the corner with my head against the wall. Okay. I think, Spritz, after watching you guys do your prayer, there's sort of like a like an actual true reverence that kind of washes over his demeanor. And and just starts to sing a song, just a, a lie, a stanza. The drums of war, they beat their tune of fire and devastation. Once with Franica dove beneath the band lakes cold unrivaled. You know Fran? <laughs> I say. Did you say, did you say Fran? A friend? Is that somebody important to you? Yeah. Well, where are they? Uh Oh. Um, well, um, we don't exactly know where Fran is right now, but- Well, she's- she's in the void, maybe. The void, huh? Sounds rough. (laughs) (laughs) So, how did you learn that song? Comes to me in my dreams when I'm crying at night. That sounds like you, Corbin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What? You know, actually, you're not wrong. Corbin wants to fall asleep. Okay. He doesn't know what he wants to dream about exactly yet. So Corbin just passes out. Yeah, Corbin passes out. Would you? Would you like some help? Oh, he's he's already gone. Oh, He's never mind. <laughs> Darn. Sorry, he, he does that sometimes. So, uh, Corbin? Um, I think I want to try, I mean, this. Uh, I want to try and focus on the song and just, like, see where that takes me. Sure. Fuck yeah. Um, that is over 20. Whoa. Nice. All right, so uh, in focusing on the song, you see a path. A map in your dream mind, tracing your path from Ilfra across the Horse Master's fields, down through Doval and up through Roval, where you are now, and then across the sea to Vola and further to where Dawson pointed on the map, the Great Crater. And you hear these just refrains of it. Survive, 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 survive. And then you wake up. Okay. Um, I say, I don't know, guys. We just need to go across the ocean and survive, 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 survive. That's that's it. That's all there is. We just, I don't know. We'll walk on the, I don't know. There's nothing. We just, I, we, yep. Uh, oh. When you say survive, 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 survive. Do you mean like like that song we heard that girl singing on the road? Yeah, exactly like that. <laughs> and that song is about Mary. Yeah. Do you think, is the void connected to your dreams, Corbin? Oh, probably. Well, does that mean that maybe 
that Mary or or Fran or someone was was reaching out from the void um, to talk to Spritz. Spritz is just like looking between you two, really like back and forth, <laughs> like um, like to give him that song. Well. Yeah, I mean, it's... All I'm saying is that if Fran or Mary are reaching out from the void, they could be a little bit less cryptic, and Corbin points up into the air. I want to say to Spritz, Spritz, how how long have you been having these crying dreams? I mean, when did I start crying in my dreams? Look, I've been alive for a really long time. I'm a gnome, you see. It's like, yeah, I know I look like I'm a child, but God, I've been crying for years. Okay, so... Years and years in my dreams. (laughs) It's very personal. I know I shared it. It's my fault that I'm now very emotionally distraught. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to pry. I, I just thought maybe it might have been a recent development. No. The most recent development, though, is this ice. What did you? How long have you had the song in your dreams, though? I mean, it's been a few weeks. Okay. That coincides. You haven't heard, like, you haven't heard it on the radio or anything, and then it just got stuck in your head. Radio? (laughs) I'm sorry. Did local chorus groups? I mean, maybe a barge came through a few weeks ago, and maybe there was a song, and that kind of stuck in my head. I don't know. I just woke up one day, and I was humming it. (sighs) And it just felt right. Uh, All right. So, yes, this construction site. There's... One to the north, one to the west, and one down by the docks. We'll say the north one is the kickball field. (laughs) The west is a public park, and the docks, they are putting in a beach. Okay. Corbin Corbin wants to cast uh, Detect Magic. Okay. You detect magic, and uh, the, the ice is definitely has some residual conjuration magic all over it. But that's all of the ice everywhere. Okay. You do feel sort of a a pulse, a magical pulse coming from the water. Water? Like the ocean? Like the ocean oh, in the distance. Oh, okay. Oh. Ah, Corbin stands up because he was like crouching coolly like when uh, Aragorn was listening for the footsteps of the orcs. <laughs> and he stands up and he says... To the docks. <laughs> and then he starts to run to the docks. Uh, Corbin, please make a dexterity check if you're going to run. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. And then Corbin falls on his ass. Oops. Well, it's, it's not too bad. 15. You, uh, you slip, you slide, but you manage to keep your feet under you. I've just received a message from Catherine in our group chat that we all have, and it's her exclamation upon realizing that this episode is one hour and 45 minutes long. I could have cut it in half. I could have. Sorry about that. If you just heard a fart sound, I was adjusting myself on my incredibly leather gaming chair. I could have cut this episode in half, but you know what? I didn't because I'm mean, and I'm not just mean to my friend Catherine, whose turn it is to edit the next episode, I'm mean to myself because I made myself edit this one hour and 45 minute long episode instead of cutting it into a sizable two chunks and not having to edit this one hour and 45 minute episode. Anyways, here's the ad break. 
This episode, this one hour and 45 minute long episode is brought to you by Cobalt Press and their new Kickstarter, The Scarlet Citadel. Good old Cobalt. Once a functional fortress and the cradle of wizards, little now remains of the Scarlet Citadel on the surface. However, the place is known among adventurers and lore keepers, and well-trod stairs lead down into the depths. This is the first dungeon-centric adventure design that Cobalt Press has tackled for 5th edition, and the design effort is led by TSR and Wizards of the Coast veteran Steve Winter. That's a dope last name, Steve. I wish my last name was Winter. It's not. Working with notes and characters from Cobalt Press publisher Wolfgang Bauer's home game. Holy shit, Steve Winter, Wolfgang just came for you. You no longer have a cool name. I'm sorry. <laughs> Holy shit. Anyways, the Scarlet Citadel includes at least six levels of dungeon exploration with lavish maps, plus a town base, appendixes, appendices? probably, of additional monsters and characters and a full suite of PDF and virtual tabletop options from Roll20 and Fantasy Grounds. To find out more and back it now, head to koboldpress.com. That is K-O-B-O-L-D press, as in pressthisbutton.com. <laughs> Next, we have Elderwood Academy. Elderwood Academy are artisans. <laughs> Elderwood Academy are artisans. Arte I said this wrong the last time and I got viciously made fun of. It's artisans. Elderwood Academy are artisans who craft amazing gaming products, including dice towers, dice trays, dice boxes, deck boxes, dice, and more. Just regular dice and more. All products are crafted to look like spell books scroll cases, codexes, and other awesome fantasy gear that we love. So I'm on their website right now. And let me just tell you, oh, God, oh, it's so cool. If you like are a nerd, and you just like having weird nerdy shit, and you like it to be not like, you don't want it to be a call out post, like that time that Noel got me a Attack on Titan backpack, and I had to wear it around my school campus even after I stopped liking Attack on Titan, and then a bunch of random weebs came up to me and were like, oh my god, Attack on Titan season two, am I right? And I had to be like, I'm sorry, I don't like Attack on Titan anymore, this is just a functional device for me to put my books in and I'm poor. This is the site for you, because this stuff is dope as shit. It looks cool. It's just like non-specific, cool fantasy shit. And that's, that's what I like. That's what I like. And finally, thank you to our patrons, who, without you, most of this would not still be happening. Genuinely. Thank you, guys. Because you literally, you literally pay our bills. <laughs> like, genuinely, you pay our bills. And we appreciate you guys so much. We have always been and continue to be blown away by all of your generosity. So thank you so much to William C. Burgess, Christoph Putnam, Lucky Dreams, Jen Squara, Mason Mitchell, Eden, Bree, Ren Morris, Megan Collum, Gaffney Flancer, that's a, that's a name, and Crystal Caldwell. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. And um, let this is long enough. Let's get back to the fucking episode. Am I right? Bye. Bye. <laughs>
and you head down to the docks, and uh, it is really cold and windy down here. You see there are ships that have been frozen in the harbor with waves that have crashed against the sides of the ships and frozen solid in splendid splashes of ice. And Corbin, you, like a bloodhound on a trail, you are able to find a path down through this, looks like a construction area where they've been hauling sand to make a beach. And you find a cave, a weird little sea cave that looks like it has just recently been carved out of the cliffside. I I enter. I look, just, just I well, I look behind me to see if everyone's following, and then I and then yes, we're following. Yeah, I assume okay. we're following. Yeah, yeah. I enter. <laughs> I mean, I have no sense of caution or. <laughs> you just so. does yeah. your friend just run into random holes? Hey, Billy, uh, is, this yeah. a, is this a normal thing? Yeah, generally speaking, that's pretty standard Corbin behavior. <laughs> I I call after Corbin. Uh, Corbin, be careful in there. Okay, I, I'm coming. Corbin, you are greeted immediately. By a grimacing face, a man who is frozen solid in a block of ice. I get my little cantrip out, and I produce flame, and I want to melt produce. I want to melt his little body. <laughs> Roll some damage. Let's see how much ice you can melt. Three. You are able to melt away the majority of the ice around his upper body. Okay. And uh, as you free his head... He takes a big shuddering gasp in and then is shivering as you thaw the rest of him. Flake and Spritz, you come in to see Corbin throwing fire at this half-frozen man. Oh, man. Uh, Spritz, do you know this guy? Um, Like, is it dark in here? It's like a little, I mean, you're just, just inside the entrance, so you can see his face. Uh, he looks like he was someone who was working on the construction projects, but there are a lot of people who came in from out of town to find work on that, so. Oh, it's just a contractor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the man says, but, yeah, I c c c came to help on the c c construction. Corbin says, what's your name? What's your name, buddy? D d d d d Daniel. I'm Daniel. Daniel. That's a strong name, son. I'm I'm 17. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this man is at least twice your age. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Corbin says, uh, what are you doing down here in this this hole? My, 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 buddy, my buddy and I, we... We found this uh this cave while we were working on the the beach construction. We were trying to push this this uh, this cliffside back a bit so that there would be enough room to have some sunbathing in the summer. And uh, we found this cave and thought thought to check it out. And uh, there's some some treasure in the ruins down there. There's looks like a uh, some some sort of temple or, or or something under there and when we tried to take it a big gust of wind blew out and tossed us out so we uh we came back last night we got some some local toughs to come down and try and get the treasure but but then they they kicked us out of their group and they're gonna gonna take the treasure for themselves and then there's another another big gust of wind and we were blown out of here, and I managed to grab onto a boulder, but then I 
That's the last thing I remember. So let me just get this straight. You live on a planet full of bloodthirsty gods. And you found a treasure in a temple underground in a suspicious cave. And you were like, better steal this. Is that about what happened? Yeah, I can't imagine, like, a a group of people who would just go into temples (laughs) and just just take things that didn't even belong to them. I mean, that's a terrible idea. (laughs) We're not... We're not getting paid enough to, to to do the construction. We wanted a little easy unionize. Money. <laughs> unionize. I mean, that is that's messed up. I'm sorry. I do sympathize with that, but man, you you got to be careful. Like the gods get real, real ornery, you know. And uh, by this point, Corbin, you have been able to to thaw out the rest of this man, and he sits down on the ground and starts rubbing his arms and his legs, trying to get some feeling back into him. He says. I'm not going in there again, but the uh, I didn't see anybody else get blown out with me, so the the others must still be inside. Do you think the the ones who actually stole the the treasure, that other group, they're still down there too? Y- yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think my buddy might have made it out. I he was right behind me. I don't know if he grabbed onto anything though. He probably just got blown out of here and ran because he's a he's a god's damned coward <laughs> left me to die here <laughs> how 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 many of of you were there L- uh, about 11 we hired a group of 11 would you say you're all pretty weak spineless <laughs> 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 uh, the, the, the toughs we we hired they were you know uh, some tough Tough men and women, uh, I'd say slightly a- above average, maybe a bit, if you're gonna put a challenge rating on it, maybe about, uh, a one or two. <laughs> good to know, good to know. Thank you for that extremely specific information. <laughs> What's a challenge rating? Is that, is that kickball rules? <laughs> yeah, and... In our town's game kickball, everybody's ranked by how challenging they are to face. How hard they kick that ball, huh? Yeah, these are all uh, onesies, twosies. They're they're real good. <laughs> the top of our ranking is two. goes It goes from from about zero and to two, and there's a you know halvesies or one eighthsies. These guys, they were top ranked kickballers, ones or twos. Oh, we'll keep that in mind. We'll have to watch out for these boys' legs. It's gonna be thick. I, I wish. I, I think we should go deeper in and see if we can't oh, yes. find some of these legmen. Oh, let's let's dig for these deep legs. Yes. De- I'm sorry, big legmen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to meet them. They're not gonna have a leg to stand on. To stand oh, on. God. All right, so uh, you leave Daniel to his shivering well, he's fine, and right? head deep. Yeah, yeah he's I mean, fine. He's just he'll probably die of hypothermia. Like he'll soon. get over it. No, he'll he'll crawl on out of here and get back to town. It's not far. Okay, bye, Daniel. <laughs> um, do you have any sort of light source? Uh, yeah, my produce flame. Oh, okay. are you able to sustain that, Corbin? Uh, I don't for, think so. for at least ten minutes. Okay, well. I mean, we could have you have fire, or I could cast light. 
Cast it, Magic Candy Man. I cast it on some jibbleables. Yes. <laughs> Corbin eats one. Does he glow? Yes, until it gets into your throat and then it's gone. Sorry. But it no. looks real cool going down. Yeah. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, so the walls and the floors of this cave system are all coated in a thick layer of ice. Um, this means that you will have disadvantage on any athletics or stealth checks. There is also a fierce wind blowing snow and ice crystals down the passage ahead of you, which will make it harder to see. The cave entrance leads down a long, twisting passageway, which you have to twist and contort your bodies to move through as you slip across this ice. It ends in a narrow crack that has been frozen over. How would you like to proceed? What are we going to do about right. this crack? Corbin starts to cast Produce Flame, and then he stops and like looks at Slake and is like, Oh, would you Would you like to? Oh. <laughs> uh... I mean, sure. With your why pick, not? With your picks, I don't want to. I don't want to steal your your thunder thighs. <laughs> that was really sweet, Corbin. I, I yeah, I'm down to attack the ice with my picks. Attack the ice with your picks. All right, go for it. <laughs> All right, that's gonna be like 21. Oh, you shatter it! Nice. You just shatter that ice. And it is very cool looking. And the gusting wind does blow ice crystals back at you guys. Uh, but they are harmless because you have shattered the ice so thoroughly. Hooray! Hell yeah. Way to go, Slay. Fantastic. Oh, you guys. Once you squeeze through this narrow crack, you hear two men arguing. What do you do? I cast um, Pass Without uh, Trace on all of us immediately upon hearing the two men. All right. Do you want to make stealth rolls? Try and sneak up on these boys? Yeah. Sure. So does this just mean that we have regular rolls now? Because Yes. Well, no, because... Um, oh, wait, no, because it adds... Plus 10. So still with disadvantage, but then plus 10 to our disadvantage roll. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. I can, I can fuck with that. Okay, that is an unnatural 20. Nice. Wow. And I got 18. Okay. 18. Nice. 18. All right. Okay. You are all very stealthy. As you move towards these two men, who you also hear now a ringing of a pick hitting ice. And you peek around the corner to see these two men arguing as they chip away at a thick layer of ice that has sealed the passage ahead. And uh, one of them says, well, it's not working. If Gina comes back with the others before we break this ice, they're going to kill us. The other is grumbling. He's got his hands in his pockets trying to warm them up. He says, when they said keep watch, I didn't think we'd have to watch the ice. Anyone got any cool spells or whatever? Or are we just going to run in and go insane? <laughs> I, I I prefer not to, to, to go run in and go insane. But let's, <laughs> let's... I, could char- I could charm person on them. Or I could put them to sleep. They Ooh. look pretty tired. That sounds like a great idea. Sure. 27 is what I rolled total. 27. Okay. Um, the They look really sleepy. They don't pass out, though. But they... Uh, the pickaxe drops from the hands of the one who was swinging it. And he, he kneels down and has a big yawn. And the one who is not swinging it, he leans against the, the cave wall and does another big yawn. 
Uh, so they are still standing, and they do not know why they are so sleepy. I tried. You did. You did good. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> well, should we try and get information from them, or? Yeah, let's take advantage of them in their vulnerable state. <laughs> Rephrase that, maybe. <laughs> yes, let's get information. <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah, what do you guys think? Should we just, like, approach them? Like, we could try to tie them up or something, I suppose. I mean, they're look at them. They can't even hold a pickaxe. <laughs> Let's approach all at the same time. Maybe we should all three stroll in, holding hands. The hand-holding should intimidate them. Uh, do, do you hear something? I feel like I hear voices. Are they coming back? Oh, shit. Let's do it now. Uh, okay. Uh... All of us, holding hands, emerge from the darkness in a single uniform movement. And then we all speak at once. Hello. What are, who are you? Am I dreaming? What is it? Yes, it's all about a dream. And in dreams, you tell us everything that you know. If you lie in a dream, you die. Yes. Wait. Wait a minute. Uh, roll a deception check, please. Uh, take advantage. Damn it. Okay. So you advantage. All of us are rolling deception? Yeah, since you're all speaking at once in unison, yes, you are. <laughs> so I got 11. We have 19. 15. They believe two of you, but then look at Corbin and they go, wait a minute. That doesn't seem believable. And a Corbin initiative. Damn it. <laughs> This is so sad. That's what you get for speaking all in unison. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like a really good idea. It was a great idea. plan. It seemed like a really good idea. Holy shit. Seemed infallible, to be honest. Oh, jeez. Um, I got 19, Kat. Okay. I also got 19. And I got 12. Okay, so it's going to be Corbin, Spritz, Thug 1, uh, Slake, and Thug 2. All right, so uh, Corbin, you are up first. You can act first here. Go for it. Do they like? Are they hostile? Are they looking at us with yeah. like intent to kill or what? Yeah, they. Uh, the one who dropped his pick picks it back up and they lunge toward you. Okay, I'll cast Flame Blade because I haven't cast that in a while. Ooh. Um, and I want to whichever one's coming for me. I'm gonna go at him. That'll be uh, Thug Two. Okay. Oh God, damn it. What? You roll a one. Yeah, you know I got that one. <laughs> Natty one, oh. baby. Natty one. All right, so Corbin, you swing and a miss, and now it's Spritz's turn. Oh, boy. You guys look rather confused. And I'm going to cast Confusion. So this spell assaults and twists creatures' minds, spawning delusions and provoking uncontrolled action. Each creature in a 10-foot radius sphere centered on a point you choose within range must succeed on a wisdom saving throw. Got it. And uh, an affected create target can't take reactions and must roll a d10 at the start of each of its turns to determine its behavior for that turn. I've got the chart up for you. My spell DC, 17. Okay, well, they rolled a 1 and a 3. Ooh, how fun! And they have plus 0. <laughs> so there's a chart under confusion that like, when it's time for them to do something, they have to roll a d10. So now it is Thug 1's turn, and now I get to roll a d10 to find out what he does. Thug 1 just turns around and runs into a wall. 
<laughs> that is what Dog One does. That's a mood. Roll the one, and the creature uses all of its movement to move in a random direction. Uh, and now it is Flake's turn. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, well, I guess, yeah, I will try to do a non-lethal attack on the other um, thug, I guess. Let's okay, see. thug two. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and I did roll a 20. Um, okay, you hit him. Yeah. Uh, but again, don't want to do a murder this time, just to clarify. <laughs> do you? Did you nat 20 him? Yeah. They're dead. Shut up. <laughs> no, you are doing a non-lethal nat 20. Yeah. You bonk them real good. Yeah, I'll, you give them permanent brain damage. It's eighteen doubled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you bonk them real good and knock them out. Uh, it did not take much effort on your part. It was a, maybe a little bit overkill, and uh, the the thug collapses to the ground. It's like it's you killed him. No, no, I swear, uh, he's just unconscious. <laughs> Do you have another attack? Yeah, that like? was my first attack. Oh, God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Okay, so for that one, I rolled 15, but with my attack bonus, that's going to be um, 24. You hit him so much. <laughs> All right. 14. Yeah. 14. Yeah, you bunk him also real good, and he falls down. <laughs> Can, can Corbin do an investigation check on their legs to see whether or not these are the big leg boys? Yes. Can you just look at their legs with your eyes? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing the check, please. Thank you. That is 11. Their legs are beefy. I think these are them, you guys. <laughs> so two down. Can we check to see if they have any magical artifacts on them that they might have stolen from this temple or anything? Ooh. You may. Cool. Do I do a check for that? I or? won't stop you. Um, we'll just roll it into Corbin's investigation check to save time. They do not. Okay. They got nothing. <laughs> no pictures of loved family members. Or <laughs> one, one does have a small illustration of a little dog Aww. in a locket. It's a good thing we've not lethally <laughs> killed them. Uh, all right. So in front of you, there is another blocked passage uh, that is covered in ice. Produce flame. You produce that flame. How much flame can you produce? Let's see. I can produce four flame. <laughs> all right. You are able to melt a hole in the ice that is large enough for the three of you to get through. Um, and it is incredibly easy for Spritz to get through it. And Slake, you have a bit of a hard time. <laughs> so the cave system continues down another slippery passage. This one's sloping downward. Will you please make dexterity Ooh. checks, everybody? Oh, no. Oh, no. I, oh, my God. I rolled a one and a two. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Sayonara. I okay. Well, I got thirteen. <laughs> okay, uh, I got six. Oh god! All right. Uh, you are not paying attention to the ground, and the first one to slip is Spritz, who you just go ass over tea kettle and land on your butt and start sliding down this ramp. And Corbin and Slake, you see this happen, and are too late to stop yourselves from the same fate as you lose your footing and go sliding down this ramp. Uh, in a 
twisting water slide like passage as you slip and slide uh and then coming up ahead of you you see in the light of the jibble wibbles another blockage of ice and you will take oh boy you will each take four damage oh no as you it's it's an absolutely scooby-doo pile up as first spritz hits the wall of ice and then corbin and then slake everybody okay (laughs) oh my god i get up and i i try to uh help spritz to his feet oh i think i'm gonna be sick Oh no! Mm. It's okay. It's okay. We're good. We're good. Everybody else okay? Uh, I think we're all right, right, Corbin? I think I might have fractured my spine, but I could still perform. <laughs> uh, all right. So, do you uh, break through this ice blockage as well? Mm. I assume. I should we try and listen at her or anything first to see what might await us? Sure. Uh, perceive. I please. will try to perceive. Okay, that's okay. You will actually have disadvantage on your perception due to the icy wind that oh. is howling through these caverns. Okay, well, let me, let me roll again then. Oh, uh, okay. 16. All right, that's not bad. Uh, you hear from the other side of the passage, you hear heavy breathing. I don't love that. Is it like one person heavy breathing or a bunch of people? Seems like more than one. Okay. Well, hope- it's hard to hear over the, the howling wind. Okay. Um, well, I guess I'll say to the others, uh, I-, I can hear, like, heavy breathing on the other side. Maybe they are all huddled for warmth or something. Gross. Ugh. Is this wall, like, is it clear at all? Like, if I start, like, rubbing my hands against it, like, can you, is there any? It's, it is opaque because it is so thick, okay. but if you, like, melted away some of the ice, you could create a window. Oh. I cast Produce Flame. Two little peepholes. I cast one flame in each hand at Spritz's eyelid <laughs> so that he can peek through. <laughs> All right, you are able to see there is another group of these thugs on the other side of this ice blockage, but there's something very strange about them. They are all standing in front of another blocked passageway, and they are completely still. Their skin has taken on a bluish tinge, and their hair is frosted over. Their weapons are gripped in white-knuckled hands, and their eyes shade between normal and a startling white, which threads through the irises of those standing closest to the blocked passage, but has infected all of the bandits standing below in varying shades. Yeah, uh, I turn back to the group, I'm like, Best guess we got some ice zombies over here. Oh, man. Oh, I don't think I've fought an ice zombie before. Oh, well, let's go. <laughs> You've got that big flamey sword, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, yes. It's still conjured. So <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, ju- I use my big flame sword and I hack away at the ice. Okay, as soon as you are visible, the thugs all look towards you in an unsettling unison. (laughs) (laughs) Call back. We are going to uh, just keep the same initiative from last time. So it is going to be Thug One who lunges toward Corbin as soon as the ice wall has been broken. And he is going to swing his... Uh, mace. All right, so that is going to be a 16 to hit, Corbin. 
Uh, no, beach. Okay. I'm strong. Uh, that was its first attack. And second attack is going to be an 18. Meets it, beats it. All right. So then it is going to hit you for... Ooh, that would be max damage. So that is going to be nine damage. And it is the mace that the thug hits you with is bitterly cold and it burns your skin as it hits you. Oh, I got little frost bites. Uh, All right. Now it is your turn, Corbin. Okay, dope. Um, I'm going to, I'm, once again, I will attempt to attack with my flame blade. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not, it's not a nat one, and I do get to add quite a bit to it. Um, 11. <laughs> no, that does not hit. Okay, okay. Your, uh, your flame blade glances off of the armor of this thug, and you can see that there is a layer of ice over the armor that has made it more resilient. Uh, Spritz, it is your turn. No! <laughs> I wasn't built for combat! Does anybody have anything I can make large? <laughs> I pull Darius out of my pocket again, and uh, I say to Darius, You want to break stuff, buddy? Friend! Fight for friend! Oh, Darius! I say to Spritz, Do you want to make Darius big? That lovely bug, yes, I will. <laughs> Beautiful. So, he has a quarterstaff that is basically, um, has like this cute little star on top of it. Oh. And so he'll use that to uh, do his wandy spell to then cast on to Darius um, enlarge. All right. Darius is not a resisting creature, so Darius is now big. Very big. Hooray. Friend. <laughs> I love big Darius. Darius, fight. Oh, my God. <laughs> Protect me, Darius. <laughs> All right, Slake, I will give you control of Darius, and Darius will move on your cool. turn. Thank you. It is thug number two, and he's here to say... He's gonna attack Spritz no, in a major no. way. He's small. Uh, Alright, that is going to be a 16 to hit. Well, oh yeah, that, that hurts. Alright, so that 16's gonna hit you. Yep. Alright, so that is going to be... Okay, so that's gonna be three points of bludgeoning damage, plus an additional four points of frost damage. Ouch! All right, uh, Slake and Darius. Yeah, I am going to first roll to attack, I guess. Okay. Oh, cool. So that is 18 plus 9. Uh, so I'm going to assume that hits. Oh, that super duper hits. That super duper hits. Are you attacking Thug 2, the one that attacked Spritz? Sure, yes. So when I hit the creature with a weapon attack, I can expend a superiority die to move someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will go ahead and do that. You shove Spritz behind you? Uh, I will gently place Spritz behind <laughs> me. Five for that, uh, which I get to add to my damage roll, basically. So let me do my damage roll, I guess. Okay. So that's 26 damage. Ow! Jeez. But yeah, again, <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't know that I want to kill them because uh, I think they're probably not it's not their fault they're under this, like, thrall. That's fair. That's fair. You're a very kind person that's hitting them very hard. <laughs> All right. So that's 
That hurts them real good. Uh, he's still standing, but doesn't look great about it. You have a second attack? I do indeed. Yeah, I thought so. Okay, so that is 18. Yeah, that'll hit. Okay. Okay, so 15. Tell me how you non-lethally kill this man. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah, I think I'll just use the hilt of my picks, and I'm gonna, like, um, swing at him and, like, you know, like, knock the wind out of him, basically, with the, the hilt so that I'm not, like, eviscerating him or anything. All right, and he goes down. That's one thug gone, three thugs to go, uh, and now it is Darius's turn. What is Darius gonna do? Oh, yeah. So I only rolled, well, I only got a six to hit, so I, I don't think that works. Oh, that, that doesn't hit, but it looks very cool when Darius engages in battle against one of these thugs. Nice. All right, so now it's thugs two and three. Um, I'm just going to have them go together for the sake of moving this along. All right, so uh, one of them's going to go after you, Slake, and that is going to be 21 to hit. That hits. Uh, and then another one is going to go after Corbin, and that is going to be 22 to hit. Yes. So they both hit you. And that was just their first attacks. So they hit each of you. So Slake, that is going to be six points of bludgeoning and four points of frost damage. So ten. Uh, and Corbin, yep, so that will be a total of ten. And Corbin, that will be a total of eight damage to you. And now they're going to attack again. Jeez. Yeah, they get two attacks. They're also fighters. Um, okay, so Slake, this is going to be an 18 to hit you. Uh, that does, does not, not hit. Yeah. Corbin, that is going to be another 22 to hit you. Yes. Did you say eight damage the first time? Yes, eight damage and eight damage the second time as well. Okay. All right. Um, oh, it's also Thug One's turn now. So Thug One is going to uh, swing at Slake again. Because I love you, Corbin, and I'm not going to try and kill you. Thank you. Right now. Not yet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and rolled uh, Paratus. So the uh, that's that thug will miss, and now it is Corbin's turn. And Corbin is tired of his flame blade missing. <laughs> <laughs> so instead, uh, he's going to cast Flame Sphere. Oh. <laughs> Mix it up. Which, which he does not have to roll uh, to hit for. Okay, and it's a five-foot diameter sphere of fire, uh, so I'm going to make it appear so that it is encompassing um, all of the strong-legged men. But, <laughs> like, we are, are just on the precipice of its Sure, of its sphere. sure. Um, I think, well, if it's a five-foot sphere, then that means it can only encompass a maximum of two of them. Because okay. a creature takes up five feet of space in D&D. Oh! So if you put it between two of them, you could hit two of them. Yeah, so I'll do that then. I'll put it between two of them. So I'll put it between the two that are on Slake. Okay. And they must make a dexterity saving throw. All right. That is going to be a four and a five. And they do not. They do not save themselves. One. Four and three, which is eight damage, both of them. Double that! Oh, if they're like weak to fire. Fire! So 16 damage for both. 16 each. Okay, that is a solid amount of damage. Okay, and now it is Spritz's turn. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
Um, okay, I want to do major image. I'm not sure like what they would be interested in. You did hear the they were talking about a Gina, or rather the other the ones who were not fully zombified were talking about a Gina. Was Gina part of the large leg group? Yeah. Yes, uh, we can we can believe that Gina's thighs are powerful. So, and so I'm conjuring an image of what Spritz thinks a Gina looks like. He thinks of them as pirates, even though he has proof of what they dress in right here. And right. I think he just wants to make it go. I'm I'm Gina. <laughs> this thing's talking. I'm Gina. My legs are strong. My desire for treasure sometimes. It's wrong. Do they have to roll like a wisdom saving throw? <laughs> Let's see. A successful intelligence. Intelligence. Ooh, you are very lucky. They are very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, they rolled so bad. Yes. <laughs> I rolled a one, a ten, and a seven. So they all uh, they all look towards Gina and their faces are completely blank as they all stare towards Gina. So the effect of this is while they are distracted here, I will give you guys uh, advantage on your next attack throws until the thug's next turn. Hooray. So Slake, you are up. All right, cool. All right. Mm, well, my first one, I've only rolled, it's a 13 to hit. You got a 13. That does not hit. Okay, second attack. Oh my god, man. Stinking it up over here. That's only a 12, so let me roll again. Somehow that's a 12 again. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't hit at all. All right, so after you have uh, swung at them, Slake, thugs, I assumed you were going after three and four? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so thugs three and four look back at you, realizing that Gina, this is not Gina. Gina doesn't just say her name like a Pokemon. <laughs> Wait, what about Darius? <laughs> oh, yeah, you got oh, Darius. Yeah. What is Darius? Give me, give me some Darius. Darius gets to go before the thugs. Yeah, sorry. He only gets like plus three, so that's only 14. Ah, Darius. So close. All right, so uh, they are both going to roll really badly on their first attack and only one of them rolls all right on their second attack so that is going to be a 19 to hit like that meets so it beats it meets it so it beats it all right so that's gonna be a cool one plus four frost damage that'll be five five damage all right um we're back up to thug one who is going to take another swing toward corbin and is not going to hit corbin nice and that is the thug's turn oh corbin it is now you dope i think i will cast produce flame uh on the one that's closest to me which one is that uh that'd be thug one Okay, Thug One, produce flame. Uh, that is an 18, Catherine. That will hit. That will oh, hit. Yes. Uh, fuck yes. That's nine damage, but it's fire damage, so it's double Woo! right, Kat? Yes, so that's going to be 18. So that's Woo! 18 damage. Beach. And then, how is he looking? Um, He's looking not good, but he's still standing. Mm. Okay, and then the other two, what do they look like? They also look kind of not good, but still standing. Okay, I'm going to take my, uh, as a bonus action, 
Um, I'm going to move my flame sphere uh, into their personal range of uh, existence again. And then they have <laughs> okay. to make, I believe it was a dexterity check. Okay. That is going to be, one of them rolls a 19 and the other rolls a 3. Okay, so one of them does make make the check. Does uh, he take half damage then? Yeah, he, he'll take half damage. Whoopsies, shit, okay. get back here. Okay. Um, and I cast this at level three, I believe. So it's three d six, five. Okay. Two. Seven. Six beach. So, so that is going to be thirteen. Thirteen times two. So that'll be twenty six. Twenty six for one, and then okay. What's half of thirteen for the other one? Yeah. All right. Uh, one of them is. Fried to a crisp. Oh, oh, the shit, other I one- killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, it happens. <laughs> the other one uh, is not looking good. He is cool. very badly burned, but is still standing. All right, so that's Thug Three is gone, and now it is Spritz's turn. Wow, Slick, this is for you. Friend, I'm gonna cast low <laughs> on these two. Okay, uh, which is I think they have to make a wisdom saving throw. So I'm making sure it's yeah, those two. They're so okay. They're so unwise. There's nine and eleven. Okay, uh, so speed is half minus two to their AC and dexterity saving throws. Oh wow! Okay, get them, get them, Slake. All right, and now it is Slake's turn. I'll do my best. Oh, that's better. Okay, so that to hit, that's going to be 15 plus 9, so 24. That'll do it. Cool, cool. Yep. Is that to thug 1 or thug 4? Oh, let's see. Does it matter? Mm. Probably not. All right, let's say thug 1. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Okay, so that is two tens, so 20. You can't tell I, me how you. <laughs> I don't want to kill these ones. Okay. Um. Yeah. So I think I'm just gonna go for the old classic thing that we all know is real and works in real life, where you hit someone over the head with a blunt object and they become unconscious, and later they wake up and are completely fine with no negative repercussions. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So that's Thug One. He's down. Mm. Oh, and I get and a second attack. You have a second attack. There's one more thug, and he's looking real wobbly on his ice-crusted legs. Gotcha. That is 23. Yeah, that hits. Okay. Okay, so so that's 10 plus um, 6, so 16 damage. So non-lethally dead. (laughs) How do you non-lethally destroy this man? Um... You know, uh, I think just another, another like knock the wind out of kind of thing with the the, the old pick hill. You know. All right, cool. So only one of them has died. Yep. <laughs> Don't know what they're gonna tell that guy's family, but uh, <laughs> I hope he didn't have a dog. Fuck. <laughs> Everyone else like was mysteriously spared, but this one particular <laughs> guy. You, uh, you do find on on no. this Cat? this burned man's body. You find a a note of 
a dog poison. Oh. Now he's going to poison the other guy's dog. Okay, good. good. Fuck this guy. Oh, Fuck man. this guy. Thank God. guy. Oh, thank you, Kat. Thank you. What a relief. You're welcome. <laughs> you only killed the monster. <laughs> we accidentally killed the one terrible person in this group of people. <laughs> so the next, uh, so you have defeated them. Ba-ba-da-da. Yes. You uh, leave behind the fallen bodies of these fine gentlemen and you uh, continue through the cave passages that twist around you through strange squeeze spots and low overhangs until you come to a fork in the road. There are three passages in front of you. What do you do? Okay. So, yeah, it would make sense for us to maybe, yeah, tie some rope around Mm -hmm. one of the stalagmites and then just proceed down. I'm guessing there's a, yeah, a left, right, and a middle? Yep, left, right, middle. Which one do you want to go? I'm personally feeling kind of right. I don't know about you guys. Can can we, is there like wind coming from one or like, can we feel something different about yes. these? There is, there is icy wind coming from the left and middle passages, but there is no wind coming from the right passage. Which is the passage that Slake just asked about? Well, yeah, Slake, Slake had a feeling, a feeling based on nothing, but turned out to be about wind, I guess. Can I cast can I cast detect magic again? Yeah. You can tell this wind is magic and uh it is coming from the these the left and middle passages, but you do not sense uh much magic down the right passage. Okay. I say that to the group. Do we wanna go magic or no magic? That one is kind of the odd one out. Might be worth checking it out first. It's, sus- it's suspicious, I agree. Let's speed run it. All right. Let's speed run the non-magical route. And Corbin takes off running down the right tunnel. I chase after you with the rope, and I ask you if you will please grab onto it. <laughs> I, th- I put my hand in the air to catch it. Okay. Do you throw it to uh, me? Yeah, I-, I toss you the one Do end of like- the rope. Do you like lasso my little hand? Sure. <laughs> yeah. I am lassoed. <laughs> I won't make you roll for it. We'll just rule cool that one. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So you make your way down the passageway and the ceiling grows lower and lower as you move deeper into the caves. Uh, pretty soon, Slake, you have to duck and crouch. Corbin, you are bent double. Spritz, you're fine. You short. Yeah. The last of the wind dies away, and the darkness and the quiet of these caves are absolute. Suddenly, a space opens up around you, and you hold your light up to see that you are in a strange room. The walls of this place are carved with scenes of planting and growing. The figures hold up a cluster of tear-shaped gemstones in the central carving. Cat, I want to investigate the carving. You want to investigate the carving? I specifically want to see if any of the gemstones are missing. Okay, so as you approach the carving, uh, you feel a pressure plate under your foot oh boy. Oh, sink down. There is the sound of grinding stone against stone, and then the floor drops away under your feet. And the three of you... <laughs> We're holding a rope! <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. So the three of you are plunged into darkness until the end of your rope... <laughs> 
literally. And now you hang suspended in a dark chasm. What are you going to do? Okay, so when the floor fell out from under us, did it just fall out like around the central thingy with the carvings or like... The whole floor fell out. Okay, because yeah, in theory, I could use my picks and climb back up and, you know, probably help you guys and pull you. But I don't know if there's any reason for us to go back up or if it would be better to actually fall down and see where it leads. Well, yeah, what's below us? Um, I'm going to cast Daylight. It will cast a 60-foot radius sphere, so like Mm -hmm. 9... Not 90, 120 feet diameter. Gotcha, gotcha. Of light spreads out from a point I choose within range. I just choose, like, I don't know, the air around me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sheds, uh, the sphere itself is bright light, and then Mm -hmm. it sheds dim light for an additional 60 feet beyond its range. Okay. You uh, are able to see the passage below you as it twists and turns, and you see a point of light at the bottom that you can see with your daylight is the room you just came from. The the branching passage point. Well, you went in a circle. We could just drop down. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Why not? It's not like high up enough that we have like, that we get fall damage, is it, Kat? You would. You would if you just dropped. We yes. can climb, though. I could feather fall. Oh, okay. Well, I turn into a, a crow. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I can get out. I'll get out my picks then and uh, start climbing down. And I just let myself drop, but feather fall. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Slake, you meet Corbin and Spritz on the uh, floor. Actually, Slake, will you please make a athletics check at disadvantage because of the ice? Wah, wah. Oh. Okay, let's see. Disadvantage. Okay, let's see. So that is 14. Well, that'll do it, actually. You managed to make your way down the ice. You All your caving training is paying off. Um, so you make your way down to the ground and you are back at the fork in the road with two howling gusts of winds coming out of the middle and the left passages. Which one do you go down? Mm. Middle. Middle? Sounds, Sounds fine. Great. I want to grab the, the rope and kind of pull it back, um, mm-hmm. you know, gather it up so that we can grab onto it again when we go down the middle passage. Yeah, that it did genuinely save us yes, a little bit. Yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, actually, you got saved from a, a nasty fall damage. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So you uh, head down the middle passage, and this time you notice before you uh, descend that it is a steep incline. How would you like to get down it? Hmm. A sled would be great right now. <laughs> actually, 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 I do have a shield. Yeah, I think I do too. <laughs> I'll ask Spritz uh, if he if he wants to uh, like get on my shoulders or whatever. Yes, carry me, please. <laughs> Climb up on Slake's back. No problem. Scramble. Corbin, do you just perch on Slake's head? Are you still a crow? I am still a crow, and I perch on Slake's head. All right, Slake, you shield surf down this slick incline. <laughs> yes. Uh, while carrying a tiny gnome wizard with a bird perched on your head, <laughs> the incline winds through icy caves. Uh, you f- look very cool. <laughs> I bet I do. Eventually, <laughs> ice whips up around you, like behind you in a big spray, as uh, you are eventually dumped out into another big cavern. And uh, you like spin as you come to a stop and there's like a big spray of ice. Aw, yeah. You are now in another carved-out room. 
The walls are carved and painted with more of these scenes of planting and harvest, and of a giant walking among the fields, planting forests and scattering seeds. The style of these depictions is the same as those in the book at the Temple Library. There are also scenes that show terrible storms, tempests from the oceans, tornadoes from the plains, ice shards raining down on north winds. The central depiction shows the giant weeping, and then his tears being taken by the people of the town who stand on the edge of the sea. In the center of the room, there is a raised dais and a set of stairs leading up to it. On top of the dais, a woman is frozen in place, with something clutched tightly in her hand. Her skin is a pale, ghostly blue, and her hair is stiff and pure white. She stares unseeing into the middle distance. There are two men on the stairs, stopped in the act of running forward, now still as stone, with hair the same, white and skin the same blue. At the bottom of the stairs, there's another group of three, similarly frozen, all staring up at the woman. When you enter the room, they all turn towards you, and there's a loud cracking as the woman's posture straightens and ice sloughs off of her. She turns towards you and opens her mouth as if to scream. The noise which comes out of her mouth is a howling gale, and the other bandits surge toward you. So, we'll keep you guys in your initiative. Please, for the love of God, kill these boys quickly. Uh, (laughs) Alright, Gina is gonna go first. Uh, She, from her place on the dais above you is going to throw her daggers and she will have two attacks. She's going to throw them at you, Slake. As you uh, toss your your gnome and your bird away. (laughs) That is going to be... One of them's not going to hit and the other one is going to be way over 20 so that will hit. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is going to do a cool six damage. Alright, alright. I'll take it. Alright, uh, that now it is Corbin's turn. Okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna knock him down as much as I can. Get him. So, I'm gonna cast Firewall. Ooh. Yeah, buddy. And I wanna make it so that I can make it like in any whatever shape I want. So I'm gonna have it, it's 60 feet long, so I want it to wind around. I'm gonna like, put my hand out all cool, then it's gonna spread from my hand, and it's gonna hit each one of them in a wall. They're all inside of the fire. <laughs> Okay, so, um, what do I need to roll? They all have to make dexterity saving throw. Uh, what do I have to beat? 17. Alright, none of those. Uh, alright, Gina is the only one who is able to leap out of the way. So the others legs. are all hit. And I'm, this does so much damage that I am gonna have to do a dice roller. <laughs> So now I'm going to regret it. saying kill these boys quickly. You're just going to kill them all. Right? I'm sorry. You asked me to do it fast. Don't kill Gina, though. I, will, I, I probably won't kill Gina. I'm okay, in love. Let's see. I don't think you can kill Gina. She got out of the way. She still takes half damage. Um, and that is 27 damage for Gina. Okay. God. Was that doubled because of the fire? Yeah. So that is doubled because of the fire. Yeah. And everybody else takes 54. <laughs> You kill everybody else. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kat. You said kill them fast. I didn't think you'd kill them that fast. You get what you asked for. <laughs> you asked I for did. it. You got it. <laughs> All right. You, you just demolish the rest of these, these thugs. 
They are consumed by flame. Their screams sound like the cracking of ice as they die horribly. Corbin, do you look really cool when you do this? Yes. Um, I have like, I like Moses parting the sea. I have my hand out, but instead of parting the sea, I just create a flames, a flame wall. So not really so, like yeah, Moses parting the sea. So not like <laughs> Moses at all. <laughs> but all the, right. f- the flames spring forth from my hand and then like zigzag around the room to hit each of the little men. Gina lets out another horrible scream as all of her men are killed. Corbin, that's the end of your turn. Spritz, it's your turn now. Well, well dang, what am I supposed to do now? Um, Kat, you said that she was holding something in her hand? Yes. Okay. This is what we're gonna do. <laughs> I, I turned to Slake. How far away is she? She, let's say, like... She's at, so she is at, like, the top of the stone da- dais. We'll say she's about 50 feet away. Okay. So we're going we're gonna to teleport over behind her. Then you're going to smack her in her hand and get the stuff that's in her hand out of her hand. Are you right? Are you ready? Uh, uh, okay. Uh, sure. So then I hold my hand out. And then uh, I'm going to cast Dimension Door. And we'll, we'll basically teleport right behind where uh, Gina's at. Okay, love it. That is your turn, and Slake, now it is your turn. Okay, cool. All the thugs that were supposed to go between you <laughs> are dead. It's time to do some hand bonking. That sounds terrible. Let me bonk <laughs> those hands. Um, Hannah, bonk. Let me just rephrase that. I'm just gonna bonk. I'm gonna, you know what? No, I'm not gonna say bonk. I'm just gonna hit a hand. That's all, just a normal hand hitting. Okay, let's see. So my first one is going to be 16 to hit. 16 to hit? That does not hit her. Okay, second one. Oh, and actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do for the second one, I'm going to do a precision attack. Uh, I can expend a superiority die to add it to the roll. So, yes. I'm going to do that. Okay. Okay, that's a bit better. So that is 12 plus 9, so that is 21. That'll and, hit, that'll okay. hit. Okay, cool. So that is um, 2 plus 5, which is 7, and 6 plus 5, 11, so 18 damage. And again, I do want to try to hit uh, what she's holding out of her hand. And yes, you are able to hit the thing out of her hand and a pair of crystalline tears fall from her hand. Oh, man. Corbin Corbin points at them and says... Corbin just points at them. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, uh, can I react and like try to grab them or anything or no? Um, not on this turn, no. Okay. It's probably, uh, maybe so- it's bad to grab them anyway. I think if I grab them, I'd probably end up a weird ice zombie. Maybe true. Uh, now it is Gina's turn, and she is, gives another horrible shriek and swings at you, Slake. Uh, she is going to make her three attacks. <laughs> All right. Uh, so two of those are going to hit. So that will be 19. Ooh, okay. Uh, her scimitar, as it slices through you, 
burns with a freezing cold. And now it is Corbin's turn. Hell yeah. Okay, so the tears fell out of her hand, correct? Yes, they okay. are. They clattered to the stone steps. Is there like anything in front of her? Did she pull them out of? They were on it. It looked like maybe she had just grabbed them from a dais. Oh, okay, okay. I want to use, um, not a crow, but I want to use my movement. Well, I want to use my action to turn into a cool monkey. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I want to use my movement to run uh, over there and grab the little tears and hopefully don't turn into an ice man and then put them back on the dais. Please make a wisdom saving throw. Also, did you have to move through the w- the wall of flames? I think you would have to have moved through the wall of flames to get to them. Okay, if that is the case, I want to run through the wall of flames as a boy and then uh-huh. turn into a monkey afterwards. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> because yeah, so that you- the wall of flames will do enough damage to me that I will not be able to be a monkey anymore. <laughs> okay. It All will right. kill me as a monkey. Okay, so that is, I voluntarily take 24 fire damage. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the heck? Um, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> stupid. Um, what do you even have left? I have enough. It's fine. <laughs> and, and then I turn into a monkey. <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> um, and then I grab the... The little men. The tears. <laughs> the tears. Yeah. And then I grab the tears. I put them back on the dais. All right. You do so. And you, the, the temperature in the cave instantly raises by about two degrees. Um, Gina, however, does not appear to be slowing down. And now it is Fritz's turn. Oh. Wow. So much has happened in one minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to cast. Hmm. How are we feeling about killing Gina? Oh, yes. What's up with that? Like, what are you guys' feels for that? Corbin's little monkey hand gives a sideways thumb. <laughs> I don't know. She might. It might be worth talking to her if we can snap her out of this. All right. Um. I mean, if you put her to sleep or something, then we can try and figure this out without her attacking us, I guess. Okay, let's try that. Uh, 12 plus 2 is 14 plus another 2 is 16. Ooh. 16? That does not put her to sleep, I'm afraid. Well, shoot. (laughs) All right, Slake, you're up. Uh, Okay, okay. I guess, yeah, time to, to do the thing. Okay, so that's 19 to hit. That will hit. Okay, cool. Okay, so that is, for the first attack, 6 plus 11, so that is 17. All right. She doesn't love that. Okay, cool. Second attack with the picks again. Ooh, okay, that is, like, 28 to hit. That hits. Yep. Oh, okay. Okay, so that is 18. How do you non-lethally kill her? Okay, I'm going to use both picks to give her a good bonk on the head. Um, Yeah. All right, she collapses to the ground, and there is... You feel the entire cave exhale, and the temperature begins to rise. The whiteness in Gina's hair subsides into a dark auburn, and... 
you look back at the burnt corpses of the men behind you and realize that they might have also come back, but there's no coming back from what Corbin has done to them. <laughs> you also happen to see that they were all planning to kill that one guy's dog. <laughs> so, yes! yes! <laughs> Get fucked! <laughs> All right, the tears now sit upon the pedestal, and they seem to be at rest. So you head back up towards the surface, rounding up the remaining thugs and bandits on your way, and rounding them up into a little tightly tied up band. By the time you reach the cave's entrance, the frigid wind howling out of the depths of the earth has warmed to a cold gust, which carries the sound of ice popping and cracking as it melts and falls away in chunks which crash against each other. When you look outside, you see that the sun is shining brightly and the town is starting to thaw. Drips of water cascade from frozen roofs and down gutters. By tomorrow, the town should be back to normal, although the spring thaw is still months away. Well, that was fun. Some parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, things are looking great. You guys truly are. Well, maybe my name will go first. You know, Spritz, the hero of the Roval <laughs> ice and stuff. But you'll be in there, too. Oh, all right, you all go tell the mayor that you have solved the ice problem, and she rewards you by paying for your passage on one of the ships that will depart for Vola tomorrow. You save the town. Well done, everybody. Yeah. Hooray. I I tell Spritz that I'll I'll never forget him. Oh, Carvin says, I hope you can find peace at night when you cry. <laughs> That's very moving and touching, and maybe someday in the future we'll see each other again. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> All right, let's say goodbye and then walk in the same direction. Yes. <laughs> you say goodbye and walk in the same direction yep. as you, Corbin and Slake, you find a place to sleep for the night, and tomorrow you depart for the unknown continent of Vola. Sometime in the night, steep in those caverns, someone comes by. You see a hand pluck the tears from their pedestal and leave behind two small pieces of candy. What the fuck? <laughs> Spritz? You've been holding out on his 